to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. What a week in college basketball. Uh, the number one team, the reigning undefeated national champion, Baylor Bears, they went down. They finally lost. Uh, Texas Tech got them in their place. A really impressive win for that. Uh, we've also got kind of a debate now for who will be the number one team. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but I think we, we, we'll start here on the game we just watched, which is uh, Oregon versus UCLA, because this was a game, you know, I think that was kind of intriguing. We saw Oregon have the lead uh, much of the game, and UCLA, you know, comes back, uh, kind of atrocious pass, leads to overtime, but Oregon gets them in overtime. Your your thoughts here quickly on this uh, game? I mean, I said it last podcast that Oregon might be able to win this game. This just felt like the classic Dana Altman get-right game. Jacob Young played great. Will Richardson played great. Nafali Dante had a great first half, was kind of up and down the second half. But I think a big thing here was there was no fans, and that was quite noticeable. Like, there's a big difference if you watch the Iowa game today and you watch the Oregon-UCLA game today because – it was a, just a massive difference in between the atmospheres because every time Oregon went on a run and UCLA responded with a basket, it was just silent. When Iowa went on a run and uh, Chris Murray got that dunk after the uh, got the dunk after the steal to make that a ten point game late in the game, that crowd was rocking. So I think overall that made a big difference. But guess what? It all counts the same in the record sheet. Counts the same when looking at resumes. And for Oregon, this is a win they had to have. They're now ten and six, and I think they have a real shot to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and certainly they they have a long road to go to make. Yeah, they're not there yet, but I think they have a chance. Yeah, they're going to need to. You know, they'll play USC. I don't know if USC is allowing crowds. I'm not sure about that. They are not. I don't. I don't know. I know for sure the Pac-12 California schools aren't. All right, so if they hey if they can get the California sweep, uh, granted neither team allowing fans, those those games will still count as road wins, and those are uh, two uh, very high-profile wins. I don't think they're top five wins by any means. I think UCLA and USC were a bit overrated to be third and fifth in the polls. Uh, especially kind of where the resumes were at this point in the season. But, hey, they're, those are good wins uh, going to be like top – UCLA is probably going to end up being like top 10, uh, top 15 at worst. USC at worst is still going to be like a top 25 uh, win. And getting both those wins on the road, that's going to dramatically help them uh, come in state tournament time. And credit to Oregon for uh, going on the road, getting the – this win and potentially getting a win against uh, USC. I guess we'll kind of touch on that uh, as we get into our pick section here, but yeah, impressive win all the, you know, all the same. And for Oregon, you know, I thought the most impressive part for them was they throw the ball right under the basket, uh, allow a six, nothing run to end the game uh, goes into overtime. And they just said, Jacob Young, Will Richardson, you're the senior leaders. You're the guys who've been playing well all game long. Go make plays for us. Go win us this basketball game. And they did. They, you know, Jacob Young got in a couple like dry, like switching scenarios where he was driving on Cody mm-hmm. Riley and oh yeah, uh, eating him for lunch. They ate Miles Johnson um, one possession. So uh, I'm sure he's done that before, but did it in this game and. Uh, ultimately results in a you know upset of a top three team on the road. That steal under the basket by Jalen Clark, uh, I think Richardson turned it over. That was probably the worst play I've ever seen. Like, it was not good. Yeah. Like, there is, like, places you don't throw the ball. You do not throw the ball right under the basket for – I mean, it was just such a wide open layup, too. I mean, yeah. if it was like a four point game and that happened, it would be different. Yeah. But my goodness, like just throw it down the court and hope someone on your team ends up with it. Like, yeah. like that's a better scenario. Yeah. Just uh, step out of bounds. That's a better scenario. I mean, like, anything was better than that. But hey, they ended up winning despite that. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to still win is impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly impressive. And yeah, the Ducks, 
definitely not there in the tournament picture yet, but hey, they have a chance, you know, just kind of one, I think what they're going to need to kind of start doing uh, what they didn't do when they played Oregon state, they need to start winning games uh, against some of these like inferior PAC 12 schools, like your Oregon States, like Washington, uh, Washington State, like blow those teams out. Arizona like, State, which they already didn't do. Yeah. Like w- when you play those teams, you need to win those games by 30. Help that net ranking. Uh, because they, you know, I guess the Arizona State loss uh, isn't looking too good. But like their their losses aren't necessarily bad losses by any means other than that Arizona State loss. Like at Stanford, that's Probably that was home that. against Stanford, wasn't it? Uh, says away at Stanford. I thought it was home. Huh, okay, well, that's really not a bad loss then. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably going to end up being quadrant one, maybe quadrant two at worst. Probably one at this point. Yeah. St. Mary's on neutral, I guess that at worst is quadrant two, but it's like St. Mary's, I think, will end up being top 50. Uh, mm-hmm. BYU is going to be top 50, probably top 25 in the net, uh, Houston. I mean, that, none of these losses are necessarily bad losses, but uh, they they need to start stockpiling wins and s- stockpiling, you know, net efficiency wins. Uh, like, it's, if you're up by 20, you need to win that game by 30. Like, just whatever you win by, win by even more because you, you got to get the net ranking up to – a situation where they'll start kind of considering your resume. Cause uh, if you're ranked 70th in the net and don't really have an overly great resume, you're not going to get into the NSA tournament. So they need to uh, definitely help that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they got to figure things out overall, but I would say it's an impressive win. Uh, but I guess we can get into the biggest upset of the weekend, the week probably, which is Baylor losing to Texas Tech, who still didn't have T.J. Shannon in this one. The fact that Texas Tech was able to win against Kansas and Baylor in the span of only a couple of days, one of those games they didn't have T.J. Shannon, or one of them they didn't have McCuller in, and they didn't have Shannon in either of them. The fact that they were able to win both of those shows how legit this Red Raiders team is. Yeah, certainly. And uh, this was kind of a game like Baylor early on uh, – Adam Flagler had a really good start. Baylor early on had the game – Seemingly won, and uh, Texas Tech, I think, finished the first half on a 10 nothing run uh, to cut it to five. At that point, you're like, Texas Tech is now kind of in the game uh, when you know, it felt like they could have been out of it, and most teams would have been you know, at that point where you're down by like 15, 16 points on the road at the number one team. I think most teams in that scenario kind of like, they, I won't want to say lie down and uh, take the loss, but uh, kind of at that point, stop going, uh, you know, stop playing as hard as possible and uh, maybe fall behind or lose that game handily. Uh, and Texas Tech did not. They kept throwing punches. Uh, and ultimately, end of the game, they made the clutch shots when they needed it most. Uh, Adonis Arms, who uh, has been Basically, everywhere in the world made the turnaround dunk uh, heard around the world. Uh, seemingly, that I think kind of put the game away. But yeah, very impressive win for Texas Tech uh, over the Baylor Bears. Baylor still fifteen one. We'll we'll kind of touch on who should be ranked number one a little bit later. Uh, I certainly I'll have an opinion on that. We'll get into that. But uh, yeah, Im- impressive win for Texas Tech. No question. They look like probably the third best team in the Big 12 right now, which the Big 12 is probably the best league in the country. I would still say Baylor and Kansas are both still better, but we're talking some really good teams in that league. Texas, I still think, is going to be solid. Then you have Iowa State, who almost won on the road against Kansas. We can get into that game now. Uh, It was a really frantic up-and-down pace near the end of the game. Iowa State takes the lead. Then Kansas takes the lead back. Isaiah Brockington hits a mid-range shot with like 18 seconds left. And then Dewan Harris gets the layup to essentially win the game there as Gabe Kalsher had a pretty wide open shot from three, but missed as time ran off the clock. That was the end of the game. And Iowa State almost, almost beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse where they come up just short. And I think Iowa State is very solid. 
I don't think they have a crazy high ceiling, but the fact that they were able to do that yesterday shows that this team isn't a fluke. Yeah, most definitely. Like even some, like their first stretch of big 12 games, like people are like kind of saying, oh, they're one and three in big 12 play. See that told you they're, they were flukish. This is as hard of a three game stretch or four game stretch. You you play Baylor, uh, number one team in the nation on the at home. You play Texas Tech. I get Texas Tech was shorthanded. Texas Tech just uh, shorthandedly won at Baylor uh, and beat Kansas. So that's still a really tough team to play, and they won that game uh, at Oklahoma is no joke. And then obviously playing at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, that's as tough as it gets. And uh, really for Iowa State, I get they started one and three. Uh, this is still a, a really incredible start for uh, this Iowa State program, 13-3 overall. And I get their one and three in league play, but the, this this is not a one and three where it's like uh, fluky by any means. And they'll play Texas this weekend, uh, a chance to kind of add another win. I guess their next two games, Texas and Texas Tech. I think they need to split those two games, but uh, if they're able to do that, like I'd say they they probably still look kind of like they're, I guess, their ranking of uh, 15. I think they look like probably the 15th best team uh, in the nation. I get for this game, oh, Abaji had a good game. Uh, overall, Dewan Harris, you mentioned, had the uh, big basket at the end, but this Kansas team, like David McCormick, didn't really do anything for them. Uh, uh, and then Remy Martin didn't even play. So uh, I think, one, they need Remy Martin just because he kind of adds another dy- dynamic playmaker uh, that they really don't have. Like, Dewan Harris, I think, is a good kind of solid role uh, guard. But they need, like, Remy Martin, who's, like, more dynamic, uh, which they – I uh, did not have in this game, but uh, still for Kansas, this win is going to go a long way towards them potentially uh, winning the Big 12 regular season title. Yeah, I mean, it was just an impressive, impressive game from Iowa State. It was good for Kansas to be able to hold on there. But looking at other games throughout the week, USC falling to Stanford. They're also currently losing to Oregon State. As we speak, Oregon State is up eight. Uh, USC, this would be an absolutely horrendous loss because Oregon State is not very good. And, I, again, there's no fans in, in either of the L.A. schools, but you can't lose to Oregon State. That would be just an awful loss. But USC did lose on the road to Stanford, who also didn't have fans. Uh, but Stanford, they've looked solid recently. They got it going a little bit during the Diamond Head Classic before their championship game against Vanderbilt was canceled because of COVID issues, but they came off the pause really good beating USC. Uh, Harrison Ingram's really solid. The guard play is still a question overall, but they, they have size. They're defending better. I've been impressed the past couple of games from the Cardinal and they won at Washington state today where Washington state went like 14 minutes without scoring in the second half. So overall Stanford comes out as one of the biggest winners of the week and they strengthen their NCAA tournament resume without a doubt, because they don't have any bad losses. That's the one thing they don't have. Yeah. And certainly that's going to go a long way towards them getting that NCAA tournament. I was really impressed with Harrison Ingram. He had a big game in this one. Uh, He's starting to look like a legitimate, like one and done uh, prospect, which uh, we'll, we'll kind of see upon that, but. Uh, he's starting to really come on late. Spencer Jones, I think, is a really good option at the kind of forward slash center spot. Uh, so this Stanford team certainly coming on. I think for USC, like Isaiah Mos- Mobley, we can uh, really trust. Uh, but Boogie Ellis kind of had an inefficient game in this one. Uh, that's you know, not always great. But uh, for them, I think they were kind of like overrated being the number five team in college basketball coming into this game. I think like they were probably more like their previous ranking of like eighth, I think was probably more indicative of them. Uh, They'll probably fall back outside the top 10 after this. And uh, if they lose to Oregon state, which they're currently doing, I mean, that would result in a dramatic fall off, uh, but we'll kind of wait and see on that. But uh, tough loss for them. They were eventually going to lose. Uh, and Stanford, despite it being a 
fanless road environment. Uh, that's it's still hard to win, even you know on the road, just having to travel different places. Yeah, I think obviously USC's ranking was more of just a byproduct byproduct of them being un, uh, undefeated at that point. And they'll probably, I mean, if they lose today, then they'll be like maybe out of the rankings, but they'll be like 10 or 11 probably next week, which I still think is a little high. I don't think they're the 10th best team in the country, but I guess it's fair resume wise to say that. Yeah. And probably fall down a little bit more if they lose to Oregon State. So we'll 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 kind of monitor they, that. They have to be unranked if they lose to Oregon State. Yeah. You cannot be ranked if you lose to Oregon State. You just can't. Yeah, we're currently monitoring I guess five games in total. Uh we got I mean San Francisco is just blowing out Loyola Marymount. It's not even close. Hey that, that you, you never know with Loyola Marymount. Uh, they're, they're down 26. I think, I think that one's a wrap. All right. Uh, oh, I did not see that. Okay. 26 points. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, current, currently as the results hold, we've got Gonzaga who's now up 22. Gonzaga's back by the way. I mean, they, they weren't not back at any point, but it, it took them a minute to figure out some offensive flow like they had last year. I get it's against BYU. I mean, BYU, I'm not even going to say I get it's against BYU. They're a top 20 defense in Ken Palm's metrics. And Pepperdine, they're young. That's They scored like, what, 120 against them? Right now, as we're recording this podcast, there's 12 minutes. We just hit the under 12 in the Gonzaga game, and they have 84 points. Yeah. 84. That's good. It's a lot of pretty points good, with yeah. 12 minutes left. Yeah. Um, I. I guess we'll, we'll hit on Auburn, uh, Alabama, because uh, we'll introduce, I think at this point, there's kind of like three teams in the debate for uh, who should be ranked number one. Uh, we'll kind of get into that, but. I, I think, I think, I think we know who it is after today. Well, we, we, we got to introduce the Auburn Tigers, who are now 15 and one. Uh, Javari Smith had a impressive game, 25 points in this one. Uh, and really was huge for this Auburn team, uh, led them to the 81-77 win. And uh, this was really impressive because Walker Kessler, he only played 12 minutes, had foul trouble throughout. And without Walker Kessler on the court, they were able to you know, go into Alabama. They nearly blew the game away, I think allowed like a 14 nothing run, but found a way to win. Uh, and that's, of course, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, Alabama had a good comeback, but at the end of the day, they just have been super unimpressive for the most part of this year. They've been up and down, but they've lost some games they certainly should not have lost. And Auburn, I mean, they're just really good. I thought they'd take a step back with Alan Flanagan being hurt. He's still taking time to ease into his role and get back to what he was. But this is a guy that was a potential All-American heading into the year, had the Achilles injury, and now he's getting back into form. Auburn being as good as they are really does allow him to be able to take his time to get back to what he was. Jabari Smith is, might be the first pick. They have a lot of depth. Wendell Green was fantastic. He took a couple of really bad shots late, but he's just a really good dynamic point guard. That is a big reason why they are where they are. Bruce Pearl did a great job utilizing the transfer portal to add three guards and a big man. Walker Kessler being the big man, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson, and Wendell Green being the guards. The The utilization of the transfer portal is a big reason why Auburn is where they are. Yeah, and Wendell Green, I think this game, he's just like someone that kind of comes in and is just a spark plug. Like he, He'll come in and provide that like instant scoring that you kind of need as a Six man, and I, I think he's really starting to find a role that fits him. Uh, Katie Johnson, we thought that was going to be a really good transfer addition coming into the season. Uh, it certainly, I think, has worked out pretty well. And yeah, just having you know all this talent, you know, Walker Kessler is certainly better than what we expected. Didn't have a great game in this game, but his rim protection, his you know interior scoring, his rebounding I mean, those are big things. Jabari Smith is just awesome i think he's better than what any of us could imagine uh-huh. uh, like at this point we're probably we're not you know necessarily an nba mock draft co- podcast not uh, at all we will leave that to the nba mock drafters but uh i i'd say like 
if I were a NBA franchise, I don't get paid by them by any means, but I, I think I'd draft Jabari Smith number one, just because, um, you know, the ability to pull up from three, the ability to, you know, hit those step back threes, the ability to just drive to the rim, like his, his sco- overall scoring ability, uh, I think is something that is just hard to match. Uh, and at his size too is uh, really important. And it has been on full display for this Auburn team. And I think he's kind of like someone you'd want on your team just because he's like, he's kind of a little bit unselfish. Uh, he's still the best player on the court, but he, if a teammate's uh, going, he'll let the teammate go, but he's not going to take, you know, bad shots. And I think that goes a long way uh, towards Auburn being, you know, potential final four national championship level team. I agree with you. I mean, Auburn is really, really good. They're every bit deserving of their current ranking, but let's get into who, sh- who the number one team should be. I think resume wise, it probably should be Auburn. I just can't see them jumping both Baylor and Gonzaga. They'll jump UCLA. Uh, they just aren't going to be able to jump Baylor and, or and Gonzaga. I feel like if they were two, I think they'd jump Baylor, but I don't think they can jump Gonzaga and Baylor. And for that reason, I think Baylor might end up still being the best team in the country, but I've kind of said it the whole time that I still think Gonzaga is going to end up being the best team in the country. And I still think that's the case. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga being the number one team. Yeah, I, I certainly like, if you're arguing who you think will win the national champ- championship, I think that, you know, it's certainly like you could go with Gonzaga. My thing is I, I'm just kind of like, I think a ranking should be kind of like earned based on what a team has kind of done throughout the season. And right now I still think Baylor has the best overall resume. They have the best uh, like metrics, like, Auburn, I, it's you know, is ahead in like strength of record and that, but you look at Baylor and Gonzaga are like neck and neck and like Ken Palm, uh, the net, Sagar. Gonzaga is probably going to pass Baylor and Ken Palm after this game. I yeah. mean, that that's just ridiculous what they're doing right now to a really good B. Really, I want to know if they're really good, a good BYU team. Yeah, it's a tournament team. So, and it, by I the mean, way, uh, Oregon State is currently very much blowing the lead to USC so oh good we, we don't have to throw off the panic alarms there we go I mean I don't think USC is all that good necessarily yeah but hey as long as they're not losing to Oregon State so I think Oregon's better it, it, not yet but I think they can be yeah I mean they'll play each other so we'll... they will yeah they'll play each other Saturday yeah uh, 11 but, p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. That's a late start. That is a late start. I think San, San Francisco plays someone that late. But you know what happens when you live on the West Coast? That game yeah. starts at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Like, like people don't understand how awesome it is living on the West Coast uh, when you can wake up on Sundays if you like football and watch NFL games at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. And then college basketball starts at nine o'clock on weekends, goes until late nine or ten p.m. Like I, I never have to stay up till like two a.m. to watch a game. That that just never has to happen for me. Yeah, I live on the central time zone, so like it's it's still not the same. Yeah, it just is. It's it's a, it's like I went uh, to New York one year during college basketball season. And it was like every game I wanted to watch ended at like 1 a.m. So it's like. Yeah. Like, like I, I just couldn't get used to that if I lived on the uh, East Coast. And by the way, these yeah. refs are not calling anything in this Oregon State-USC game. There's been like eight plays in the last five minutes that have definitely been fouls, and they're just letting them go. You like to see. I don't know that I do like to see it, though, because – I don't like too many fouls, but like there's like an unbelievable amount of fouls that are not being called in this game on both sides. We, we need to bring it back to the nineties. If, if there's no blood on the court, it's not a foul. Neither of us were watching basketball in the nineties. So bring it back. I, I need to see. I can't say I knew what nineties basketball looked like though. That's true. Uh, anyway, back to kind of the number one debate. 
I think at this point, combining like the, you know, overall, you know, analytical metrics like Ken Palm uh, with kind of like the strength of record and all that. Like I still think I still have Baylor as my number one overall seed in the bracketology. I think if the selection committee was doing that today, they would still have Baylor number one in that uh, with Auburn being, I think, a close number set two. Uh, but I think Gonzaga still has opportunities to certainly catch that. I think, you know, Baylor's playing in the Big 12. I think you can mark that up for they're going to take at least three more losses without doing anything just because they're playing in the Big 12. And uh, they probably will take a couple more. Like Auburn's playing in the SEC. If Gonzaga is able to go undefeated in the WCC or even like lose only one game, uh, especially the way the WCC is this year, like at that point, I think we, we, I think Gonzaga from a resume perspective passes that. Uh, we'll kind of see what Gonzaga, I mean, right now they're up by 26 against. They're going to win this game. BYU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is Andrew right. Nemhart is 20 and 10. That is, this is, this is impressive. Like if you're, if you're sitting here hearing me say Gonzaga can't win the national championship, Baylor's clearly far and away better. Like if they, they played on a neutral court tomorrow, I, I might even pick Gonzaga to win that game. Uh, well, they don't play I mean, on a neutral get, court. Like I get Gonzaga lost twice, but like, yeah. oh my Drew Timmy, what a pass. Did you see that? I think I just missed behind it. the back pass, but Hunter Salas missed a layup. Oh, there that's it is. why Drew Timmy is the best player in college basketball. That's not technically true, but you know what? I'll say it. Drew Timmy back in the National Player of the Year race. I actually kind of enjoy uh, podcasting as we watch these games. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, we're reacting kind of live, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's enjoyable. We can't. I mean, one. I don't know it for a central slash Eastern time zone person. This is probably not great, but it, I, I do enjoy podcasting like right as these games are going on. It's kind of enjoyable as BYU just airballs a, a wide open mid range jumper. Not great if they're going to come back from 26 point deficit. Yeah. You hate to see that for sure. Can't have that. Yeah, but I mean, Gonzaga, they, they certainly... They're going to be the number one team. And they'll probably be the number one team for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, because... I still rank Baylor number one. I'd probably rank Auburn number two. I think at this point, though, Gonzaga's looking very solid as like a team. I would rank probably number three. And I think as the season goes along, they're, from a resume perspective, going to eventually, I think, pass Auburn and Baylor. I mean, who's beating Gonzaga in the WCC if they're doing this to BYU? The answer is nobody. Todd I think I, th- I thought they could compete, but I don't know if they can. I don't think anybody can. The one with the best chance is probably St. Mary's, and they just don't have enough offense to beat Gonzaga. They, they don't have enough offense to beat Johnny Davis in Wisconsin. Well, I mean, not that many people can. That's true. Johnny Davis, let's get into that game now. Johnny Davis had a very, I would say, even bad game today against Ohio State. He did not play well. Bad for Wisconsin's, yeah, I mean, he was like four for 18 from the field. Just not a good game. Not a terrible game, but he's had way better. Um, And for me, the fact that Tyler Wall was able to play how he did showed that Wisconsin and Brad Davison, of course, that Wisconsin is growing more than just like they're improving, not just Johnny Davis is improving. The whole team is improving. And last year they had a bunch of guys. They didn't have a star. Demetri Trice was good. Not a, not a ideal number one option. Micah Potter wasn't a number one option. Nate Reavers most certainly was not a number one option. Uh, and then Aleem Ford, he's a good three and D guy. None of those are number one options. They're all good two, three options. Johnny Davis is a good number one option. Brad Davison's a, he's not a great number two, but he's a solid number two. Tyler Wall, good contributor. Steven Crowell, good contributor. So you have guys that are helping Johnny Davis out. 
it's not like last year where they have five guys averaging nine plus points per game. They have one guy who's going to average 20 plus points per game. And then they have several other guys that are going to put up big, relatively big numbers. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes this team different. How, how awesome would Wisconsin have been if uh, they had last year's uh, Johnny Davis on the roster? Like, first and foremost, but... I mean, he was good last year. He didn't get much playing time. He didn't. And I think a lot of that... He did more in the second half of the year, but a yeah. lot of that was just because of how experienced they were. But at some point, it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, experience is what it is. Like last year, Walker Kessler was a better option probably than Garrison Brooks, but he didn't play because he was a freshman, probably, right? That's that's yeah. what my guess would be. Yeah. And I think Roy Williams, very old school in that, uh, which – yeah, and look, there's advantages to playing older players, but I think we yeah. saw if you're playing a bunch of older guys that aren't crazy talented, then you don't have a super high ceiling. Yeah, we're seeing it right now with teams like St. Bonaventure, Richmond. They're talented, but they don't have that just next level talent. Yeah, they can they have experience. Have... I mean, St. Bonaventure played five guys for three plus minutes the other day. That's all five of their starters, they played three total, ben- uh, two guys, three total bench minutes. That's not ideal. It's not. It's that's yeah. you can't have that. Yeah, you well, you can. You're just gonna run your guys into the ground, and eventually they're going to wear down. Like it's not gonna be a good uh, combination to lead to winning. Which is I what the goal of uh, playing the sport of basketball is. Uh, it's winning basketball games. That's not a good strategy towards winning. And like it, we, we, I guess we could kind of transition this into El Villanova Xavier. Like earlier this season, Villanova lost games to UCLA and Purdue. Not because mm-hmm. I think they were necessarily the worst team. It's because they didn't have really any depth and they were playing six guys, uh, the 200 slash 225 uh, combined minutes that you need. Like, mm-hmm. you can't have everyone playing uh, 40 to 45 minutes a game. It just it doesn't work out. And I think Villanova in this game, you know, we saw that, you know, Colin Gillespie wasn't necessarily overly efficient in this game, but he had, you know, he was making tough shots. But the kind of thing they were able to have uh, was, you know, they're able to add Brian Antoine, who, uh, well, not necessarily contributing scoring wise he's able to come in uh get 15 minutes off the bench uh jordan lungi gino had four minutes off the bench uh Caleb daniels is basically a six star so i mean having those type of players to just give you a little bit of uh extra minutes i, I think that's going to be big for villanova as they kind of go along at i think it was that kind of able to keep Gillespie, keep Justin Moore fresh kind of later into the game. And Justin Moore had the big uh, go-ahead bust bucket to put uh, Xavier had just tied the game. It looked like Villanova's collapsing here, and Justin Moore uh, was able to, you know, because he wasn't playing 40 minutes, respond to that with a big, you know, go-ahead basket there. And uh, Villanova ultimately ends up winning 64-60, at one point, it looked like it was 64-63, but they called off the Jack Nungy three at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did? Yeah. I missed that. I changed the game as soon as it ended, or as soon as that uh, happened. I thought they counted it. They did count it. Uh, I think they went away from it on Fox, uh, marking the scores 64-63, and then uh, I guess at some point, five to ten minutes later, it was – 64 to 60 and I guess they had interesting uncounted it it, it yeah. mattered because the line was between one and two so yeah that, that's interesting uh, at, at the end of the day though Villanova is the best team in the big east I, I, I get they kind of struggled earlier in the year but there's a reason why Jay Wright has two national championships he figures things out and this Villanova team is really good yeah and I think the most impressive thing is I guess defensively, they don't necessarily have like a interior center quite like a EK Obiagu or Isaiah Wade. Eric Dixon's doing a good job, though. Yeah. 
Like he's not like a shot blocking force, but he's like a good uh, low post defender, uh, it, which I think is kind of what they've needed. Uh, and he's certainly stepping up a little bit offensively, but uh, offensively they're going to make timely baskets. That's kind of what Villanova does. They run their offensive concept. I don't think they're overly elite offensively, uh, but they make their shots and then they're going to uh, guard you very tough on the defensive end. And I think at this point, I mean, I think UConn's a very good team. I think Seton Hall's a very good team. Uh, I I like the Xavier team. Like there are a lot of teams in the Big East I like, but at the end of the day, it's Villanova looking like it's just going to prevail once again. And it's kind of that same old story. Like the Big East runs through Villanova. Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't see who's knocking them off. Maybe UConn. They had a close call against St. John's, but they were able to win in overtime. For St. John's, though, let's get into that game a little bit. They kind of had to have that one as a signature win. And, you know, they had a chance. Adamas go two free throws at the end, makes one of two, sends into OT. Great comeback by St. John's, but man, they really, really would have liked to win there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it felt like a game they had. Like Champagne hits the three uh, with, I think, like four and a half seconds left, whatever it was. And it's like St. John's got this, the Johnnies, there they go. They get the big win and uh, instead they get a foul. Lucky that that they were able to go into overtime, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, going to overtime means nothing if you lose uh, by eight in overtime. Uh, Gonzaga has cracked the 100-point mark with 635 left. Drew Timmy has 30 points. Yeah, and I don't think he's playing anymore. Hey, you can get Caden Perry and Ben Gregg some good minutes. So, yeah, there you go. That's that's what they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, for UConn though, uh, this this is kind of like another game where uh, when you're in conference play, especially you know for them already kind of being in a little bit of a hold uh, due to a couple early losses in the Big East. If they're wanting to kind of get in the mix a little bit with Villanova at the top of the Big East standings. Like, these are the games you have to win. Uh, it's good that they were able to escape with a win. It kind of felt like they were due uh, a win they weren't supposed to have. Because, like, they had a couple games. Like, that Seton Hall game felt like they really should have won. Uh, that Providence game, uh, they didn't play necessarily great, but they were right there. Uh, West Virginia, they could have easily won those games. So they could you know, pretty easily uh, be seeing here, uh, I guess, 14 and four. Uh, I guess they, they were close against Michigan State. I don't really remember that game all too well, uh, if I'm being honest. Battle but, for Atlantis, right? Yeah. 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 I remember they beat Auburn in double overtime. I remember that game. I don't remember UConn, Michigan State very well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, UConn, though, really important win for them. Um, and really important win, I think, for the Duke Blue Devils because coming into Wednesday, they're, they're obviously the kind of team to beat in the ACC. But they could have fallen you know, further behind Miami, uh, even behind North Carolina in the ACC standings. And they – they followed up by a resounding performance. Uh, AJ Griffin ended up moving into the starting rotation for this game. He had a really good game, had 22 points. Uh, ben Carroll had 24. Uh, and uh, despite Wendell Moore kind of struggling a little bit, although it didn't really take a whole lot of shots, uh, Trevor Keels you know, had a decent game. They didn't get much bench production, but uh, when you have – AJ Griffin, who's now starting to look into or look like the you know projected top 10 pick that he was coming into the season. When you're getting that version of AJ Griffin alongside Paul and Bangaro, this this Duke team is certainly looking like the team that you know earlier in the season was ranked number one, that was able to beat uh the Gonzaga team that is currently up 32 points against BYU. And uh certainly this is a Duke team that I still think. You know, you're looking at some of the favorites to cut down the nets uh, in March. 
Uh, you look at Baylor, you look at Gonzaga, you look at Auburn. You have to continue to look at Duke because they're certainly talented enough to do it, and this was just a really great win for them. Yeah, I didn't take – I didn't change my thoughts on Duke a lot after the Miami game. Miami just played really well. Duke had chances. They came back. They just couldn't win it at the end. They had a couple of good looks to do so. They just missed them. And in this game, they were able to just absolutely blow out Wake Forest. And A.J. Griffin, if he's going to play like the guy that we all thought A.J. Griffin would be before the injury, uh, that kind of held him back a little bit, then I think Duke becomes even more dangerous. Yeah, certainly. And, yeah, this, this Duke team uh, starting to round in before him with Griffin uh, back in the fold, uh, which is uh, really important for them. And uh, they should – I still think they'll probably win the ACC by, like, two to three games. Like, I think Miami will at some point fall back down to earth uh, a little bit. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think North Carolina is not – they're, they've proven that they're not necessarily consistent enough. So I think at the end of the day, uh, they'll be able to kind of win this league rather handily. Uh, as w- I still think Colorado State is going to win the Mountain West, they they had a tough game, though, against Utah State. This was not an easy game uh, coming off a very tough loss uh, to San Diego State in uh, the way they lost by 30 points. Somewhat humiliating, but they, they responded in this game. I uh, felt like multiple opportunities where uh, Utah State had them on the ropes, but David Roddy uh, had a big three and then had like a s- silky smooth, like turnaround, fall away jumper, like a shot you would see like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant hitting. Like that's what David Roddy did. And it, it seemed unfair uh, to see. Uh, man, like the size of David Roddy, uh, just doing that. It was incredible to watch, and uh, he he carried this uh, Colorado State to victory. Yeah, I mean, Colorado State's really good. I know they got blown out by San Diego State, but Utah State's a tough team, and they showed why. Brandon Horvath, Justin Bean, they're both really good uh, front court players. And then Sean Barstow, who I don't feel like was really expected to do a whole lot, uh, had a really good game. I mean, he was their leading scorer in this one six foot eight guard. He was very impressive. Uh, but overall, Colorado State kind of had to have this one to just keep where they are in the at large conversation going. And they're certainly not a team I'd want to face in the tournament because they have two bona fide superstars with David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. And a guy like Chandler Jacobs just playing a big time glue guy role yesterday, getting a bunch of rebounds, made a couple shots when he had to, and he defends really hard. So overall, uh, just a, just a good win from Colorado State. Yeah, and it felt like a game if if you're wanting to win the Mountain West Conference, the re- Mountain West regular season title, like you have you have to take care of uh, Utah State at home. Uh, and still, I don't think they're what they quite were pre-COVID pause. I still think they're kind of starting to get their legs under them. But if you're able to not play your best and still escape with a win against. Uh, what I think is probably like the third or fourth best team in the Mountain West at home. I mean, that's still an impressive victory. And uh, I think Colorado State, they're going to get more opportunities to kind of uh, ease in uh, to their you know schedule. And at the end of the day, I think uh, they'll, uh, they'll win this uh, Mountain West by a couple games here. Agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess a couple more games. LSU, Tari Eason got in foul trouble. Xavier Pinson was out. And LSU still beat Florida on the road. Are you more concerned with Florida or impressed with LSU? A little bit of both. I don't think Florida is all that good. I think, like I, I think I said this last podcast, like we saw what happened with Florida State in that opening game they played. Florida State looked to be a team that might be good. And they're not. That's that's part of what it is. I think what Florida did to Florida State was just an early indicator that Florida State isn't good, more so than Florida being good. Yeah. Uh, which certainly looking, although Florida State, I, they beat Miami. Uh, I guess yeah, but, that, eh, but Florida State's just, yeah, they're, they're not, not that good. Yeah. They're not Florida State. Like, here's the thing with Florida State. And I meant to say this last last podcast, but I forgot. 
So they have seven footers, right? Uh, uh, but they don't have like a really productive big guy. John Butler starting for them. He's more prospect than college player. He might be a first round pick. He might, if he enters a draft, he'll get drafted, but he's not a very productive college player right now. And you look at uh, Tenor Engam, he's been hurt and he's just not great either. He's a good backup. And then Naheem McLeod, he wasn't very good at, at the junior college level. And he's, again, just probably an okay backup big man. They don't have that go-to big man. They just have a few big men that they go to that are big, but they aren't great players. Yeah. Like, I think what they need is they need to get into the NIT. Uh, and then, like, I think they're kind of like a team. If they can get everyone kind of returning next year, I think they'll start to be a little better because they're, they're still very young. A lot of freshmen on the roster. You saw Matthew Cleveland, who uh, I think needs to probably go back to college, uh, which I think he could be like a Devin Vassell type where like year one, you're like, go, go back to college. You're not ready. Uh, then year two, we're talking about you being like a potential pick. Like, I think that could be on the table for Matthew Cleveland. Like, I, I still think like this Florida State team has the talent. It's just, I think they're not quite uh, ready. Uh, and I think they'll get better throughout ACC play. Uh, if they go, if they make it to the NIT, I think they could be like a team that sneakily like makes a run, maybe like wins the NIT championship and then we're kind of talk about them next year being like a sleeper final four team uh, which would certainly be validated like i think that i guess it be... depends what they do in the offseason i don't know that i'd go that far yeah like it we'll, we'll see what they kind of look like next season but this season seems to be uh, a little out of reach for them yeah i agree with that for sure yeah but yeah i mean going back to lsu floor like this is a really impressive win for LSU because you don't have Zayer Pinson. You have Tar Eason, who's been your best player, fouling out with 13 minutes left. I don't know why he was allowed to foul. Like, we, we've talked about, like, don't sit your best player with two fouls uh, with, like, 16 minutes left in the first half or whatever it is. Yeah, he fouls out with 16 minutes left in the second half. Yeah. Don't do that, even. Like, there needs to be a little bit of a middle ground. Like, trust your players a little bit in the first half. But if they got four fouls with 13 minutes in the, get left in the game, they probably don't need to be playing. Like, you can hold off until, like, the under-eight timeout or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's – it's you, you need your best players to win the game late, too. So, there needs to be a little bit of a happy medium there. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Yeah, but I mean, LSU, they still win anyway. So uh, that's that's certainly good. Um, and that helped them uh, kind of be in the – right now they're kind of in that one seed race. I think they'll kind of drop off and be like a three seed. But hey, if you're going to be a three seed, that's still a pretty good season. Is, is it time to get into the uh, picks portion of the podcast? I think it is. Uh, Gonzaga is going to give us that last victory, uh, assuming they they're up one hundred nine to eighty three. I don't know how they don't cover the eleven point spread, so I'm going to mark that up. Uh, so we're going to now have matching seventy eight and sixty records. Uh, so crazy that all all throughout this year, uh, as we enter. January 14th. We're still all time. So, hey, that's cool with me. Yeah. Uh, so, first game, though, it is Friday. As of now, it is still on the schedule. I think it's going to end up getting played. Uh, we'll see, though. Michigan has had COVID issues. Uh, but Illinois, seven point favorites playing Michigan. I'm rolling with Illinois. I, I really like this team. I think they're a little bit underrated at this point in the season. Uh, so I'm going to roll with the Illini. Uh, I'm going to go with you, too. I think overall, Illinois is just top to bottom, the better team. Kofi Coburn should be able to outplay Hunter Dickinson. The three-point shooting from Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer should be big for Illinois. I think the Illini win pretty handily. Yeah. And I think it could be like 
Michigan keeps it a little bit close, but Illinois will, I think, pull away there. Uh, second game from Friday, 8-10 special. We've got Davidson heading on the road to take on Richmond. Uh, Richmond is a one-point underdog in this game. I'm going to take Davidson, though. Uh, they've been very impressive uh, here. Uh, and I don't know. I, I trust Richmond to close out a game, a close game. So I'm going to take Davidson minus the point. The A10 needs Davidson to win this game, probably. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go the same way. I'll say Davidson wins. Their three point shooting is probably going to be a little too much for Richmond to handle. All right. So two, two for two on the same picks. Uh, we can we can win. We could lose. Doesn't matter at this point. Saturday, though, we've got uh, first game of the day. We've got Seton Hall going on the road to take on Marquette. Seton Hall just lost to DePaul, which I guess we didn't include in our kind of discussions. Not a good loss uh, for them. No, I think great. they're they're already out of the Big East championship title race, so I guess it doesn't matter there. Uh, but yikes, that's not a good loss. And Oregon State leads by one with three minutes left. Uh, that is... Not ideal for USC. No, I, I'll in this game though, I'll take Marquette. Hmm, I'm trying to think on this one. I'll go to Seton Hall. They'll rebound here. I don't I don't feel confident in at all, but I'll take the I'll take the Pirates anyway. Uh, give me them. As Gonzaga has now finished off uh, one ten to eighty four. Gonzaga wins, uh, official officially covers. So there we go. Convincing, convincing win. Convincing win. Tennessee at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky is favored by five. I think I would take Kentucky favored by seven or eight. Give me Kentucky. I don't trust Tennessee at all, so I'm with you. I think Kentucky's getting things rolling. They have more shooting in the lineup with Ty Ty Washington running the point. So give me the Wildcats. Yeah, like Tennessee just has like no consistent offense. Like that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Big time issue. Yeah. Like it, if you're going to win basketball games, you need to be able to score the ball consistently. Like I don't trust – like Kenny D. Chandler was kind of like veiled as like a preseason uh, top 10 pick. Like he's – He's not lived up to that high. But I think he's fallen kind of in the mock drafts uh, I've seen. But, yeah, this Tennessee team, certainly not overly impressive here. Uh, so I'm, I'm rolling with Kentucky uh, in this one. Texas going on the road to take on Iowa State. Texas is a one-point favorite. Uh, I, I'm going to take Iowa State, though, uh, to win this game. I think they're due for kind of one of these big 12 uh, games to go their way. I expect a low-scoring game for sure, but when it comes down to it, I think they're really going to need Marcus Carr to have a big game for Texas. I think I just trust the Hilton Hilton home court advantage more than I trust Texas. Hilton Magic, always always reliable. Yeah, so both going to Iowa State, both going Kentucky with the last pick. Uh, we've got this is going to be a really good game. Furman go on the on the road to take on Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga is favored by six at home. Should be a really good game. I'm going to take Chattanooga though minus a six point. Come off a tough loss, I think to West Carolina. I think they'll be kind of motivated to win this one. Man, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna. Well, it depends. So Chattanooga lost to Western Carolina. But they didn't have David Jean Baptiste. I don't know if he's going to play in this game or not. If he doesn't, I think Furman wins. If he plays, I think Chattanooga covers. All right. So let's just say Chattanooga covers, but I don't feel confident in it. All right. So Chattanooga covers the six. All right. Okay. Murray State at the this, – this is, I think, the best game on Saturday. Murray State, Belmont, this 
we were talking kind of preseason. I think I thought you were maybe joking a little bit uh, on saying too big OVC. I didn't necessarily believe you, but it was a possibility. It's reality. Uh, Murray State, Belmont, two best teams in the OVC. They still, I think, need to take care of business uh, like Murray oh, yeah. State no did earlier today when they I think they played Tennessee Tech and won by about 37 or something like that, uh, which is always good. Uh, but at the same point, I, I like this Murray State team to at least keep the game closed. Uh, so I'll take Murray State plus the six. Yeah, I'll take Murray State plus the points, and I'll take them to win. Uh, you know, Belmont has a really tough offense to stop, but I, I think the athleticism Murray State has will be able to be too much for Belmont to handle. But I expect a pretty big game from freshman wing Will Richard for, for the Bruins. But overall, I think Murray State, it might just be the better team. Yeah, I certainly think this is going to be – I'll take Belmont to win, but it's going to be a – it's going to be one of the. Great I mean, they teams. always have fun matchups. So there's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're picking like one game just to watch on Saturday, I I would tell everyone watch this matchup because you're going to see a really good two really good teams. They're going to run really good offense. Uh, they're going to play tough defense. Uh, so yeah, I if if you're just if you're giving me like what game should I be watching for on Sunday? or Saturday, this is the game. Uh, forget mm-hmm. about the NFL playoffs or anything else. Nobody Watch cares. Watch this game. Yeah. Watch this game. It's I agree. Uh, one game that could be also interesting, SEC battle, Alabama heading on the road to take on Mississippi State. This is – Alabama is the ultimate make shots team, so I never feel good picking for them or against them. I'll pick for them. I'll take them to – uh, win and cover the two-point spread. I don't know what to think of Mississippi State. I think they're a borderline tournament team. I think Alabama is better. Uh, Iverson Molinar could have a pretty big game against Javon Quinterly. That guard matchup should be fun to watch. But just the guard advantage overall is way in the favor of Alabama, so I'm going to go to Alabama. San Francisco won 97-73. Pretty Impressive. Close. Pretty close. Not really. Not right. close. Yeah. They're very Dons are a tournament team. Uh, the Dons which, are back. Yeah, they're back. The Dons are back. I guess speaking of two teams we watch. I, I I wasn't necessarily watching San Francisco. I was kind of watching uh Gonzaga BYU, but two teams that were on while we were doing this podcast. BYU come off a very tough loss, going on the road to take on San Francisco. I don't know how uh I can't take uh San Francisco right now, though. Wow, really? The one point favorites for a reason. Uh, as is, it's a tough place to play. They're at home. And so you're not taking San Francisco. I'm taking San Francisco. Oh, I thought you said you can't take them. I think I maybe maybe I said I can't take. I am taking. I thought you I'm, said you can. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm taking. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. I think. The biggest advantage here, you look at the guards, I'd say Jamari Bouye and Alex Barcelo is a pretty evenly matched matchup. But when you look at the front courts, you have Ewan Masalski, experienced. You have Patrick Tepe, experienced. And then you have Fus Traore and Atiki Ali Atiki, who I think both will be very good in the future, but they aren't experienced. They're freshmen. Give me, give, give me San Francisco. All right. Same page there. Dons. Hey, if they can get this win. They're, they're inching closer towards that NCAA tournament. They're not there yet. Still, it's still middle of January, but they're inching closer. They'll get there. Yeah. My prediction. They'll get there. Uh, this one, uh, USC is currently, as we speak, up by five. Five. Oregon State is shooting free throws. Missed the first of two. Uh, looks like that was a one on one. It was not. Oh. Uh, unless well, you're on he, the second one already. Well, he missed the second one. All right. He missed both. Yeah. Okay. Well, now Boogie Ellis is not dribbling, and the time is oh, now he is dribbling. Uh, USC up by five. 
So you're a little ahead of me here. You're about five or 10 seconds ahead. Not much. Yeah. So anyway, there, there, I think we touched on this earlier. Uh, you're picking Oregon to win. Uh, I'll pick Oregon to win. Why not? Uh, I don't but, think I said definitively I'm taking Oregon to win. Okay. Are you going to take them to cover the 11 point spread? First off, this game wasn't even in our podcast notes. That's true. I just, so we, we touched on it. I found okay. the spread. Okay. It, it won't be 11. I feel comfortable saying that after today. Uh, let's say it's, let's, let's say eight. Let's say eight because it's, it's not going to be 11, right? Give Probably me Oregon not. to win. Give me Oregon to win. Okay. Do we want to go eight? Let's go eight. Okay. We'll go eight. We'll make the imaginary spread that isn't necessarily the spread. We'll make it eight. And we'll both pick Oregon plus eight. And we'll both pick Oregon to win the game outright. Does that sound right? Sounds right to me. All right. There we go. On the same page there. So Oregon covers the eight-point spread. Uh, and wins the game outright. Sunday, this is, I think, a kind of interesting matchup. Um, Iowa heading on the road to take on Minnesota. This is a Minnesota team uh, that coming off a really tough loss to Michigan State. They're right there uh, with a chance to win it, but uh, ultimately Joey Hauser hits the game winner. Uh, I'm going to take... Uh, Iowa, though, to win on the road. I just think uh, Iowa's a better team, has more scoring options. I don't know if Eric Curry's going to be playing. I was, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Like, if, if Eric Curry plays, I think Minnesota probably wins. But, man, I feel so bad for him. Like, he just – it's like Gavin Baxter. Like, those two cannot catch a break. Yeah. And Curry was playing so well. Like, I really hope he finds a way to get back on the court here soon. Cause he's just a guy you want to root for, right? Like he dealt with so many injuries throughout his career. He was done playing and then just decides to play one more season and Minnesota gets off to a great start and he gets hurt again. So hopefully, 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 hopefully Eric Curry is able to play. If not in this one, hopefully soon. Yeah. I think if you're Iowa, you got to just start Chris and Keegan Murray together, right? At the four and the five. Do they not do that already? They've, they've never done that. I see them like all on the court all the time together. So I like thought they did. Chris but... Murray like didn't play that much before today. He's like probably averaging like twelve minutes uh, per game this year. Hmm. Yeah, I... seventeen minutes per game. That'll... He started one game. He started once. Maybe maybe he'll find that second start in this game. I mean, I think he has to, right? He had 27, 20, 29 points today. Like, if you told me, okay, Iowa beats Indiana, Murray has 29 and 11, I'd have been like, yeah, another good game from Keegan. And you're like, no, it's Chris Murray. I'd be like, well, I mean, that's insane. But that's what happened. So play those two together, and I think good things happen. Uh, So you get that. You get, let's say you play Patrick McCaffrey at the three. I mean, you can play Keegan Murray at the three, I guess. That's a really athletic lineup, and I think it helps you a lot defensively. Jordan Bohannon, solid. I don't. Joe Toussaint is okay. I think maybe you could go with like, I I would go with Connor McCaffrey in that lineup and just go with four solid defenders along with Jordan Bohannon. And I think that's their best lineup. Uh, But I think. Nope. You go Jordan Bohannon at the point. You go uh, Patrick McCaffrey at the two, Keegan Murray and Chris Murray at the three and the four, and then Rebracha at the five. You, You go Super big. Everyone, you know, everyone's like, we're going to play small. You go, we're going, we're zagging. We're going to play big, and you're not going to – we may not play a lick of defense, but we're going to play a long athletic zone. But with that lineup, they can defend because both Murrays are good defenders. Yeah. They're both versatile defenders. Robracha, like, he's he's solid. I think he's a good backup big at this level. I don't think he's a good starting big at this level. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a solid piece, though. Like, yeah, he's, he, he's really solid offensively. He he isn't very good defensively, uh, but I think he's a good, like, 15 to 19-minute-per-game guy. I don't know yeah. that you want him starting necessarily, though. Yeah. 
whether he's starting, I guess whether Chris Murray's starting, whether it's Robracha starting. Got to find Chris Murray more minutes is the yeah. the bottom line here. Yeah, you can have Robracha starting. Uh, he can play the first four minutes, and then Chris Murray can play the other thirty six, and that's fine. Uh, yeah, just give Chris Murray more minutes. That's what we're all asking. Yep, USC wins by ten. That's the final here. 81-71. It was a lot closer than that most of the game. Yeah. This is – like, most people did not watch this game, so they're going to wake up on, I guess, Friday morning, and they're going to be like, oh, I guess USC took care of business. They, nope, I guess not they, really. I mean, technically. Technically, they did. It was not – it was not a – Ten, I think, was the biggest lead of the game. Unless Oregon State was. Uh, No, I think their biggest was nine. Right. So, yeah. Not not a not a comfortable win for USC. But hey, they they did for the net. They pulled away for the net. All right. So that that just about does it for the pod this week, right? Yep. Got anything Uh, else? Now we'll probably be back Sunday. Uh, breakdown should be a very fun uh, weekend of college basketball. I mean, we'll we'll have to. I think we have to lead off, unless like Duke loses to I don't even know who they're playing, but Pittsburgh or something. Unless like something like that, I think we'll have to start off on Murray State Belmont. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, any last thoughts though before we sign off here? No, nah, that'll do it for me. That'll do it. All right. Yes. If you're not already subscribed, make sure to subscribe. Uh, we've a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I guess you could, if you're listening to this on Spotify, we don't really advertise well on Spotify, but if uh, we'll, I'll try to do that a little bit better. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, you can do that as well. Uh, that always goes well to uh, helping up us grow as a show. Uh, Mm -hmm. So make sure to do that. Uh, But until next time, uh, we'll be back uh, to discuss Murray State Belmont should be a fun game.